Please stand for the reading of the message. Today's scripture comes from the book of Romans, uh, chapter 8, verses 22 through 27. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for who, for who hopes what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So because I wasn't here last week to talk about leadership, and because this week we're talking about the future, I'm going to put those two together a little bit because leadership is really important in the life of an interim pastor. So I'd like to share with you a prayer poem from John O'Donohue to bless the space between us that is called For Leaders. May you have the grace and wisdom to act kindly, learning to distinguish between what is personal and what is not. May you be hospitable to criticism. May you never put yourself at the center of things. May you act not from arrogance, but out of service. May you work on yourself, building up and refining the ways of your mind. May those who work for you know you see and respect them. May you learn to cultivate the art of presence in order to engage with those who meet you. When someone fails or disappoints you, may the graciousness with which you engage be their stairway to renewal and refinement. May you treasure the gifts of the mind through reading and creative thinking so that you will continue as a servant of the frontier where the new will draw its enrichment from the old and you never become a functionary. May you know the wisdom of deep listening, the healing of wholesome words, the encouragement of an appreciative gaze, the decorum of held dignity, the springtime edge of the bleak question. May you have a mind that loves frontiers so that you can evoke the bright fields that lie beyond the view of the regular eye. May you have good friends to mirror your blind spots. May leadership for you be a true adventure of growth.
I'm going to use a word that you probably don't hear much in normal conversation, a word that has become very important in my life and a word that is very important for the interim time. And the word is liminal. We don't use this word liminal often enough. It means kind of a gray area. It's having something that you're not 100% sure how it's going to turn out. You don't know exactly what's going to happen next, and it's called liminality. Now, for a few of the people on the SPRC, Judy's at home, so we have to you know, speak to people who are not here because they've heard this word spoken. But the SPRC has heard me talk about liminality and the fact that we are in a liminal space because I've been all turned on by a book by Susan Beaumont that says how to lead when you don't know where you're going. And one of the things that she points out to people, especially churches, is that when you don't know where you're going, usually you sit down and say, we need to make a strategic plan. And I'd like to know what you're planning for if you don't know where you're going. If you don't know where your end point is, any old path will take you there. And if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there, eventually. We are in a liminal time culturally. We don't know what's happening next with our political whatever. <laughs> I can't think of a word for that. Um, we don't know where we're going as far as the world is. We don't have a clear fix as to exactly what's happening with climate change. We just know that it is happening. Thank God it's cooler, and thank God it's less humid. But I don't think we're through this altogether yet. We don't know where we are as a denomination. We don't know exactly what the future looks like as a denomination. And we also don't know where we are as an individual congregation. I'm here for a limited amount of time, and you don't know what's coming next. You don't know what the future holds. I think it was my second week here that I met with the Sunday school teachers and we all sat in one room and they looked at me like, okay, tell us what we're going to do to fix this. And I do think I remember saying in the service that morning that I'm not here to fix anything. I might give you suggestions. This week I had lots of time to think, more time than I usually do to think. And I thunk. So I came up with this brilliant idea about what we could do for the Sunday school or Christian education for young people. Right down here, down this hallway, right down there, there's another long hallway that goes between here and the kitchen. And some of you may have noticed that there's rooms there. And if you come in Monday through Friday, there's like eight gazillion little kids in there. There's all kinds of kids here whose parents are doing something with Family Promise, who have different kinds of activities for the parents, and the kids are in rooms playing. Now, if you really want to meet, meet people who need to know Jesus, 
who need to know that they are loved by God and loved by a community wider than just their family. You've got a field down here that needs to be plowed. Just a suggestion, but that's the kind of stuff that I will lay out before you. I will not do it because, number one, I'm not going to be here to follow it through. Number two, this is your church. So when we talk about leadership in the church, and we talk about the future of the church, the future of the church is reliant upon the leadership. After, what have I been here now, five weeks, six weeks, something like that? It's become painfully evident to me that this is a church that relies upon their pastor for their leadership almost exclusively. That should not be so. You are extremely capable people. A pastor's job here should be to resource all the ideas that you come up with, with all the plans that you want to make, and just say, go for it, do it and we'll see how we can work this out together. If, in fact, you expect the pastor to do all of the work of moving this church forward, you're going to have a revolving door of pastors. It's just going to be a couple of years, and people are going to get burnt out, and they're going to leave, and they're going to go someplace and say, I'm too tired to do anything more. Sometimes we forget that this is our church. Sometimes you think that, you know, I'm tired, I've done these things. I served on this committee for 20 years and I'm not going to do it anymore. I've paid my dues. How many times have I heard that? I've paid my dues. I had a district superintendent at one point in my life who made a very, very profound statement that he said he detested the word volunteer. He said, people in churches do not volunteer to do anything. He said, people in churches are disciples and what they do is because they love Jesus and they are disciples and it's the discipleship that makes them do what they want to do. They're not volunteers. That has stuck with me for many, many years. And every now and then, when I really want to get his goat, I'll say, you know, you're retired for a long time, you need to volunteer to do something. And he gets so mad at me. It makes my heart sing. <laughs> but we need to rethink what it means to be a disciple. We need to rethink what it means to carry this message of Jesus out into the world. Everybody here interacts with other people all week long. In different ways, I would be willing to bet that there are people here whose social circle and whose friend circle includes more than just the people from the church. So do they know where Jesus fits in your life? 
If you want to guarantee a future for this church, you need to be thinking very seriously about moving beyond being a warm and welcoming church to being an invitational church. The future of the church means you have to invite people and take them by the hand and bring them in here. It's not enough to say, we've got this really nice church, I'd like to have you come. When I met with the Sunday school folks, I asked them, how have they interacted with the young families in the neighborhood? Now, there are no curtains in the parsonage. There's shades, but no curtains, so I can sit there and watch everybody go by. 794,000 people that go walking by that house every single day, or riding their bikes, or hoverboarding, which is cheating. That's not exercise. But they all go by the house, many of whom have wee little children, and mom and dad are with them. How do you connect with them? How do you meet those families? You want to guarantee a future that's work, that's hard work to get out there and meet those families where they are. The days of the people coming to the church are over unless they're invited. So this liminal space that we're in, this space that we don't understand that's confusing, also gives us huge opportunities, huge, huge opportunities for growth. We can do almost anything as long as it's done in the name of God. The menu is wide open. There's no gottas anymore. There's no shoulds anymore. You need to be able to be creative, to get out there, to see what can we do. I've mentioned to you more than once that having core values is very, very important to knowing where you want to go next. Core values aren't something that you just sort of pull out of the air. And having a core value of being friendly doesn't fly. One of your core values that I discussed with a couple of people this week was that you are an open and inclusive church and that's very important to you. That it's very important that everything you do is filtered through how is this inclusive? How does this invite everybody into the circle? And that is important. That's a good core value. But what are your other core values? What's important to you as a church? I'm guessing that fellowship is important. People are excited about this Peach Festival following worship, and people were very excited about a picnic after so long being separated by COVID. So fellowship seems to be a core value. But if you're really going to be inclusive, your fellowship has to be a little wider. So your core value of fellowship sort of dovetails with your core value of inclusivity. 
So you can't have exclusive groups for fellowship. It gets really, it gets more exciting the, more, the farther you get into this. So I'm going to be tapping a few people. No, I'm going to be hitting a few people up the side of the head with a two-by-four to get you to be part of a team to really think about core values. What is it that keeps you here? What's important about this place? Only if you know exactly who you are and what you stand for will you be able to clearly forge a path forward. One of the things that I learned when I went to seminary and said that I wasn't going there to be a pastor, that one pastor in the family was clearly more than enough, that I didn't need to be a pastor, one of the things that was said to me by someone who became my advisor was what is important to you? And I said, people are important to me. And she said, why is it you left your work with Catholic Charities running a halfway house where there's lots of stories? It's a co-ed halfway house for recovering alcoholics and drug addicts. Why did you leave that? And I said, because I wasn't able to talk about God being part of the recovery because we received federal and state money to run the house. And Diane looked me right in the eye and she said, therefore, God is one of your core values. God is one of your core values. Now in my time in seminary, my whole notion of God grew a little bit. God didn't fit in that little box that I had God in that I could put in my pocket anymore. God is much bigger than that. But the fact that I wanted to be able to talk about God led me to where I am today. So it was from that one little conversation that I came to be the person standing in front of you today. So it's one of those things that you have no idea where one little core value can grow and become something much bigger. Trust me, 30 years ago, I did not ever imagine standing in front of a place in New Hampshire of all places. So as we move forward, there are things that you need to remember. Your history is vitally important to who you are today but you cannot live in the past. Remember, rear view mirrors this big, windshields this big, there's a reason for that. You can look back, but don't try to go back. Your identity, who you are, will definitely be enhanced by articulating your core values. But your identity, what makes you different from all of the other churches in Concord? Your connection to the larger denomination is important. The fact that you had somebody come here last Sunday 
with absolutely no forewarning proves that the connection works. We are connected. By the way, I had a wonderful lunch with Verge this week. She is awesome. But we need to have leadership and these other three items before we can move into the future. And moving into the future right now is very murky. But knowing that you are together and that God is with you will take you into the future with grace, with peace, and with love. May it be so. Amen.